Welcome to a new and exciting episode of Talking Sense. My guest today is Adam Goyette, VP of Demand Gen at G2. We're going to talk about disrupting an industry, modern demand gen, and maybe even demystify intent data. So welcome yeah, to the thank show, you for having Adam. Me. Yeah, exciting. Awesome to have you on. Yeah. So I am a huge, huge follower of G2. Was yeah. G2 proud, now G2. Yes. yes. For those people wondering. <laughs> um, it's a Chicago company. I'm a Chicago gal. I love what it's doing to disrupt an industry. So maybe tell, tell us about the makings kind of behind the scenes and the mission of G2. Yeah, so I think really it was kind of founded with you know, Godard and Matt and Tim and our founding company, uh, founding team with the mission of like disrupting, you know, the Gartners of the world and these vendors and analyst reports. Because um, if you think about like buying software at the time, you know, five years ago, you could find better reviews on a coffee maker you were going to buy off of Amazon than a $100,000 piece of software you were building your business off of. And it just kind of seemed broken, right? And so, uh, and especially if you think about kind of marketing's role um, and the way people buy today. So marketing ultimately, like anything you do, uh, is responsible for sales, right? Um, brand, demand gen, whatever it is, PR, is all geared around helping the sales team's job be easier, right? Uh, and so if you think about people's buying patterns and how much it's shifted, uh, I think a lot of that has happened because of kind of the consumerization. Um, you know, you don't buy anything online without reading reviews off of Amazon first, right? You don't go to a restaurant until you re read the reviews on Yelp. You don't book a hotel until you read the reviews on TripAdvisor. And so people are taking that same pattern into basically like purchasing decisions in software and there was nothing there for anyone to get. And so that's kind of what started the company. And you know, we have about 3 million people now who come to our site every single month uh, to read the reviews. Um, and it's pretty fascinating to see kind of the rapid growth of that. It's amazing, I love it. I love the concept. And we believe you're spot on with the way B2B buyers buy now. Yep. Uh, you know, 90% of buyers want to remain anonymous. We call that the dark funnel. Yep. Uh, typically, it's not just one person involved in a decision, it's multiple people involved in a decision. Yeah. There's tons of conflicting information. Yep. So kind of how do we help guide them through that? In, in an economical way. Yeah, yeah. if you think about it, right, I think there was a Forrester report out there that said, like, to your point, 90% of buyers uh, say they'll reach out to you when they're ready to make a decision. Uh, and so what are they actually looking for in that research, right? The number two things we found were actually like peer reviews and then like product ratings and reviews. Um, so every website, you know, you look at that MarTech 7000 and it is like overwhelming. Yeah, exactly, and if you're a buyer, like, <laughs> Where do you even begin? And and this is not to pick on anyone's marketing, um, but it's, it's okay. hard to you differentiate, can pick on right? Our marketing. Um, it's just hard to differentiate, right? If you're one of 500 marketing automation tools, like at the end of the day, like feature sets, you're probably all doing something similar, or can word it the same way to a marketing person, right? And so, um, if you're a buyer, like where do you even begin? Everyone's going to say they can do X, Y, and Z, and that they're amazing at it. So how do you actually understand, like? where you want to place your bets from a you know marketing tech stack or sales tech stack or anything like that. Sure, and they're high stakes decisions for us yeah. as, as CMOs and demand gen leaders. Yep. So what I think is interesting is you've been in the role a year and you came into this super, super hot on fire company. Yeah. And 
it's a little bit actually easier to come in when people, when there's not a lot established or, you know, the growth rate's not there. You can do a few things and look like a hero. Yep. But your bar was kind of high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I stressing you out? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, no, I think the bar's high because for a couple of reasons. One, I think, is the company who had phenomenal growth. So like you said, it wasn't like there wasn't success there and you're coming in you're like, hey, we should put in a marketing automation system and you should do these things, right? Um, they were doing a lot of that stuff already. Um, and the other piece that makes it harder um, is your marketing to marketers, right? A lot of times, like the people who end up making the buying decisions for us and signing the contract are, you know, CMOs and stuff like that. So there's a high bar to market to that industry. You know, I've worked at other companies where we market to small businesses and, you know, some of the tricks of the trade that you might use as a marketer, you know, a CMO or a demand gen person is going to see right through because they're doing it themselves, right? So, like, yeah. how do you actually do something unique and interesting uh, to get their attention? And that's where we spent a lot of time is, like, you know, personalization and, like, really provide value in our marketing. Funny story on marketing to marketers. I um, So I'm, I'm pushing to eradicate forms. Yep. And... We believe that you put a form up if they're going to register for an event, of course, because you need to know who's going to be there. Yep. And you want to personalize the experience. Or if they're giving us data that we're going to use in some way. So that's kind of what we defined as a good use of a form. Yeah. And I've talked about this and I've written about it. And so somebody linked in me. He found a form from like 2016 or something that was like still out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this ebook was written like in the 1900s. I'm sorry about the form, but it's like, they will catch you. Yes, yes. I have actually a good one to come back to you with that. So we did a direct mailer um, where we actually framed reviews from G2 Crowd. Uh, and we got them all custom done uh, typography kind of posters and sent them off to the CMOs, these framed reviews. Uh, and we had a couple people write us right back to us, like, love the reviews. Here's some ways you can improve the designs going forward. <laughs> Someone posted on LinkedIn about it. So it's just like, <laughs> but it was actually all great feedback right at the end of the day because it's like, okay, that's a valid point, right? So it's almost like you have like this test pool of feedback with like all these other marketers. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he found this old content because I definitely don't want it out there anymore. But it yep. is sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah, exactly. So what are you doing to up the game? Like, yeah. give us some crazy tricks that worked. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is like, you know, when you think of demand gen and your typical stuff of like, there's all the optimization of paid media and your marketing automation stack. And that's kind of all table stakes stuff that you should be doing and doing well. Um, so we try to think of like, what would be meaningful? What would cut through the noise, right? Um, and I use myself as an example all the time. And I'll actually grab like examples of things I get that catch my attention because ultimately like I'm marketing to myself uh, to a certain aspect, right? So um, I think- so how's like, that split personality going? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I look in the mirror and yeah. Um, so I think like, you know, to my own personal day to day, I get probably 10 LinkedIn messages a day um, from vendors trying to sell me stuff. I probably get about 20 emails on top of that. Um, 
I don't get much like in terms of like direct mail, um, for instance. So that's like one of the things. So that's we, the new black. Yeah, exactly. So for us, like we've been actually doing a lot of direct mail recently. Um, we have our BDRs sending pinatagrams. Um, so actually like pinata shows up at someone's desk and the messaging is like beating your competition on G2 crowds, way more fun than beating this cute pinata. Um, oh, that's cool. So we did the framed reviews. Um, we do a lot of like CMO dinners uh, where we actually bring, go to a city, uh, we'll bring together like 10 to 15 leading CMOs. And it's not a dinner for us to like, release five salespeople at. Um, we actually send our CMO, Ryan, or myself will go, and it's truly just like a networking dinner. Uh, ultimately, like usually what happens is G2 Crowd comes up in that conversation. Uh, but just like, how do we add value into uh, you know someone's life and, and do stuff that's meaningful and cuts through a lot of the noise that's out there today? Sure, so earlier we were jamming on trade shows. Yes. How, how do we approach trade shows? Because yeah. they're, I mean, I just did my budget it's a huge piece of budget. Yep. And it can be a little hit or miss. Yeah. And there's always this feeling like if we're not at the show, we're missing out and <laughs> yes. everyone else is there yes. and they're gold and we're silver, you know. Yep. And I'm like, I just want to be tin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Copper. Yeah. I think there's a couple ways to approach it. One is like if it's a new show and we've kind of made this mistake in the past of like we get a sponsorship and then we show up and we're like, oh, this show is not great, right? Like there's not a lot of foot traffic, it's not the right persona, uh, whatever it might be. So like I always uh, now push back and say like, if we've never been to the show before, let's send two reps, um, have them book meetings. Um, and if they come back and can book X amount of meetings, then we'll consider it for next year. But we're not gonna spend $30,000 on like, cross our fingers, it's the right show for us, right? Um, so I think that's helped a lot with like new shows and then, you know. So I call that going gorilla, like we're gonna do the show yep. gorilla style first. I don't know if I made that up or if that's like a real thing. <laughs> I like the term, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be like, we're gonna do the show gorilla and, and see how it goes. But what's interesting is I also find if you say we're gonna do it gorilla and no one wants to go. Yep then it's like, maybe this wasn't that important of a show. Exactly, yes. Yeah, it's a good litmus test for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I think for existing shows, we look very hard at like um, the ROI we actually get out of it. There's really like two goals for a trade show, right? One is from like a brandy perspective, like um, does anyone know you? Do you need to actually be there to help build up your brand? That one's a little bit harder to measure. Um, but for us, we take a very demand gen approach, like how many meetings are we booking at the show? What's the influenced uh, pipeline? What's the ROI? What, a, what does that close rate actually look like? So try to actually truly measure. And then like we just double down on shows that we knew bring us the highest ROI. And you're not gonna get a lot of people who argue with that logic at the end of the day. Yeah, just stack yeah. rank them. Yep. Top 10%, definitely bottom 10 cut in the middle or where you discussed. Yeah, exactly. Love it, yep. love it. So let's demystify intent data. Okay. Define intent data and the various types first for, for folks, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, um, so I think intent data is really like at its core, right, just to define it, is like someone's actually doing something that's meaningful, that's showing actual intent to purchase uh, your product. And so what that looks like can take several forms, right? I think there's kind of top of the funnel type awareness stuff, right, where they might be researching a topic um, so if you think about somebody who is looking for marketing automation software, they're probably not going to start right off the bat with reading reviews, right? They might be searching around the topic of, you know, what is the best marketing automation system? What yeah. kind of 
you know, what kind of tools do I actually need for this? Um, and then they kind of move through the funnel in your traditional funnel. Um, and I think the intent data piece is kind of back to that initial thing of like 90% of people are doing the research. Um, it's intent data is those signals of like who's doing the research and where they are in that funnel and surfacing that up for marketers. Um, so I think like, you think of like modern marketing, like um, so many companies now just wait for someone to come to their site and that's where they focus. Like, hey, we got our website conversion rate. Uh, we got to fix that and we got to fix, but it's like, well, you're missing. That's your folks, too late. That's 10% of the funnel that you're dealing with. There's a whole nother 90%. I think if like CMOs and CEOs realize that a little bit more, they'd be like, oh crap, like what are we doing to influence that? Right? No, I, so, I mean, I'm like getting, anxiety right now you know you think about your site and you put so much effort into making it beautiful and that was like my whole thing about the forms yep no one's going to fill out that form yep. and if they do they're going to put aol or mickey mouse yep and just so, to get the piece of content that they want right yep. and it's like i kind of wanted them to have that content anyway yep exactly yeah <laughs> so what you know yeah. it's screwed up yep yeah so i think it's like how do you actually take that data then and operationalize it? And I think that's where a lot of companies are kind of struggling of like, what is intent data? And it gets thrown around a lot as like a buzzword. Um, and then also like, how do you actually use that, right? Just getting that data of like, hey, X company was searching for this topic or X comp like, okay, what do I do with that, right? Yeah. Um, and so for G2, I think with our, that's been a big focus of ours of really like operationalizing intent data. So we have tons of integrations of pushing that data into Salesforce and HubSpot, Marketo. Uh, yes, <laughs> working on it. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I think like, cause it, for us, it's a much later down the funnel kind of signal, right? Someone's on G2 crowd reading your reviews um, and comparing you against a competitor chances are, unless they're like a total psychopath who just likes doing this for fun, like they're seriously in the market for whatever tool it is you're offering, right? Yeah, so, I talk a lot about how we'll, we'll say, oh, we're gonna, they're gonna content binge. And I'm like, we're not Netflix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're not gonna be binging on any of this. Like yes. we need to get them what they need as quickly as possible. Yep. Um, but back to like actioning on intent data, it's, it's such an interesting point because we found at Sixth Sense, you know, early on, and, and the, the origination of Sixth Sense was all about intent data and big data and, you know, being able to take all this in and give people not just the first party intent of who's on the website, but topics and things that they're researching. And we found very similarly, then what do they do? Yeah. So, you know, adding on things like being able to incorporate it into an ad. Yep. Um, adding on so that a BDR looks at the keywords and then designs their cadence and their emails with the keywords. So yep. really, A, building that into our platform, but B, even if it's in the platform, it's the change management around starting with the audience and what the audience cares about, yep. which versus I want to run a campaign and push this. Yeah, and it's like anything else in sales and marketing, right? If just one team is using it, it won't be successful, right? So if it's just marketing that's excited about yep. intent data and the sales team could care less and the BDRs aren't doing outreach or incorporated in their strategy, it'll, it's just gonna be a marketing thing that's gonna fall flat, right? And I think where we've seen companies with the most success is like taking that intent data, um, and you think about from the marketing side, right? You spend, you know, 
oodles of money on LinkedIn and Facebook doing all the targeting, but the targeting actually misses one component, which is like, who's actually in the market to buy, right? I could target every demand gen person in the world, but if they don't have the budget or, you know, they just installed a separate solution a month ago, they're probably not buying and just wasting ad spend to it. So I think like using that the audience- in market component. Yes, using that audience to define like, here's the in market person I'm gonna target with messaging and way more down the funnel messaging. And I'm also gonna give that same list to the BDR team to do outreach to. And I'm gonna set up alerts so if a current customer starts looking at me and a competitor three months out to the renewal, like red flag, hey, somebody should call this account, right? Like, <laughs> right. and understand what's happening here. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's like those ways, I think people sometimes overcomplicate it into like, how do we do all these 20 things around it and get super sophisticated, but it's like, just do one. Just just start with one, right? At the very least, like have your sales team call these people, right? Like they're so you don't need to overcomplicate it or overbuild a process, I think, around it. So one year in yep. at G2, what was the most successful thing you did? Yeah, I would say um, there's been a lot of like small wins. Mm -hmm. I, I think everyone always looks for like the big home run. And we've had a couple like really good successful campaigns, but like I think it was just doing a lot of things right. Um, and so, so sort of like dialing in. Yeah, so processes. like dialing in everything from like our trade shows to our field marketing events, uh, to our direct mail stuff, to our ABM strategy. And we've seen that kind of results like this year, I was just pulling the numbers like the other day. Um, this year we've seen a hundred percent lift uh, from last year at the same time frame in marketing sourced opportunities. Oh my God, um, awesome. So, so yeah, that's the big you. win. Yeah, it's, it's really like, honestly, I think the, the huge win is really the, the team we were able to hire. Like we have like the most amazing marketing team in the world. Like I, I every time I interview with someone, they're like, oh, why would I want to work there, right? And I say like, honestly, you get to work with this amazing like rock star team because it's really like, it's not one person who ever kind of dictates those victories. It's everyone being aligned around one goal. Uh, Matt, our CRO, calls it like vector alignment, uh, that we're all focused on one goal. And when you have that team around you to kind of help support it, it makes all the difference. So who did you hire? Have you hired a bunch? Yeah, so when I joined, um, the demand gen team was like three people, I believe. Um, so we're up to about 10 right wow. now. So um, we've hired in about seven people. Um, so I've hired in a, a someone who's kind of leading our growth effort, um, as well as someone underneath him. Um, and we've kind of built out our, our events team as well, so. What's the top priority hire for, if, for someone building a demand gen team? Yeah, I think it really- And I have one hire, for example. What, yeah. do, you, what do you do? If you have one hire and you're trying to build a demand gen team, I would try to get someone who's really well versed in a lot of things. So like a growth marketer who can do a lot of things, right? I think a lot of times people will hire like a content writer or you know, field marketer, and that's great. And like, you'll need those specialties. But if you had one person, like, I'd rather have someone who can do like marketing automation and paid ads, and also a little bit of it is a trick question because it depends on your goals, right? Like, if True. the number one priority and what's driving the bulk of your business is events and trade shows, like maybe you should get an events <laughs> trade show person in there, yeah. right? Um, but if it's not and it's more digital focused, then get more of a digital focused person. Perfect. So. I it sounds like you've crushed it, which is awesome, but we always learn from what I call colossal fuck-ups. Yep. So give us one. It doesn't have to be okay. just from G2. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've said too many at G2, and I would call colossal yet. Um, I'm sure they're coming. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, we'll have you on in, you know, in a year. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. <laughs> 
Um, I would say the biggest one I've had, um, so I worked at an online video player, um, and so they were open source, and so um, it was one of the first like open source video players, and it was uh, downloaded like crazy amounts of time and used across so many different sites, and so our database was about nine million people, um, and oh, so, God. yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> so you already, know where this is going. I know yeah. where this is going. Keep talking. Yeah, I'm so getting uncomfortable. <laughs> we used to do like massive email sends for promotions and webinars, yeah. and we'd always do a ton to segment the list. Um, the problem was at the time, this was like four or five years ago, um, it would take forever for us to get like, we'd put in the filters to see like how many people would this actually be going to. Um, and so it was one of those mornings where I was like, hey, we got this out by 11 and it didn't load like the, the preview of like, here's the count, um, but we could still hit send on it anyways. And so we reviewed the filters like one last time and then I was like, all right, hit send. And we sent it to 2 million people. It was the wrong 2 million people because one of the filters was like, rather than like include, it was like do not include. Um, so we sent to the 2 million wrong people. And it was like the worst people, yes, the ones you didn't people want to include. people you don't want that you were trying to exclude. Um, I would say the only like upside of that is because we were sending it to 2 million people, it literally would take like, we batched it out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I was able to catch it like only like 100,000 people in. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but that was pretty bad. Yeah, still, I mean, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, yeah. like we have to just laugh, right? Yes. Like, yeah. It's also like one of, I'm sure, 100 emails they were getting that day. So. Yeah. <laughs> they just, Our, they just yeah. deleted it, don't worry. And I like did the math where I was like, oh, it's only 20% open. So it's really only like, you know, 20,000 people we sent it to. What? is an industry trend or buzzword or something going on that you just kind of want to call bullshit on? Yeah, I would say like probably one of the biggest things that annoys me is kind of like uh, LinkedIn, to be honest. <laughs> like I think um, it's kind of an industry trend, I think, especially with like marketers on LinkedIn. There's a lot of like hot takes on LinkedIn where people post something and it's like they'll tailor, tear something down or throw out a take on something, but it's not really adding value to the conversation. It's just kind of like gaming Trying oh. to game the system to get like Captain comments. Obvious stuff. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's like, what value are you actually adding to the conversation? So there's so much of that where I feel like LinkedIn's becoming this like hotbed of just noise, uh, especially in like the marketing B2B world. What do you think of, because I'm not sure about these, so I'm, I'm really asking. Um, when people just sort of record themselves. Yep. Talking about a topic. Yeah. I don't mind, like, I know people hate on, like, the self-recording uh, things of walking down the street. I don't mind, like, that format. Um, I think any content in any format, as long as it's adding, like, value to whatever the conversation is, right? Like, but some people post, like, the Captain Obvious stuff while they're, like, walking down the street. And I don't um, need to see nose hairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just, so, like, work on the angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. It would be a good content series. Yeah. I mean, how, uh, yeah. <laughs> Or a gross one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Managing G2 Crowd as a vendor. Yep. What are tips, tricks to making sure you shine on G2? Yeah, I think like ultimately is like making it a priority, right? It's like anything, if you just kind of forget it and you're not managing it, um, it becomes kind of this thing that's like a forgotten thing, right? Um, so you might get reviews, you might not. Um, but like, I think what people don't realize is like whether you're managing it or not, your competitors probably are and they might be like weaponizing it against you, right? Um, so I think it's a little bit like understanding like similar like the Yelp discussion, right? If you go on Yelp 
and the restaurant has like no reviews or like one five star review, are you gonna go there? Or are you gonna go to the restaurant with 120 reviews that's four and a half stars, right? So I think it's like, one is just getting engaged and managing it, um, the profile. Um, and then we have tons of like content around like how best to drive reviews and keep your customers happy. But like, um, so I think it's really just kind of engaging with us and, and understanding like. Is anyone just crushing it? Like, is anyone you're like, if, if you want to know how to manage G2, this company is just amazing at it. Yeah, so we have a lot of companies. Um, I think Drift is one that's really like getting amazing reviews on G2, but also they're leveraging kind of voice of the customer throughout their whole buying process, right? Okay. So their messaging has shifted. It's not about like them telling you how great it is, it's their customers. And so they launched a whole landing page basically um, that's all dedicated to their presence on G2. and excerpts from quotes and their overall ratings and how they stack up against competitors. Um, so it's like this really authentic kind of landing page. Um, so um, I would say they're doing a really good job. And then we have some larger companies like AWS, um, IBM, they're really doing some interesting things with G2 as well. All right, thanks. Well, yeah. we'll have to check those out for yeah. sure. All right, well, Adam, that was incredible. I learned a ton. As always, I love talking about the dark funnel and how companies can uncover that rich data um, with intent data, which is a big, big part of that. So thanks for sharing uh, and, and learning about that. I think what was also really interesting is you got to take action on the intent. Yeah. And so what can people do to actually use the intent data? So that was great. Love talking about going gorilla to trade shows. We got to do it more. And for those of you who don't know, Direct mail is the new black. So <laughs> thanks for coming on yeah, the show, thanks Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.